Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the physical, financial, and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, we're talking about resilient practitioners with Janine Moga, a veterinary social worker. So what are we talking about today? Resilience is the ability to withstand, bounce back from, and even preempt stressful situations, according to Moga. And we all know that veterinary medicine provides stress in many forms. I'm your host, Kim Brown, editor of Equimanagement, and the Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Decra Veterinary Products. A little about our guest today, Janine served as the founding director of veterinary social services at the University of Minnesota's Veterinary Medical Center from 2004 to 2012, as well as the founder of Family and Community Services at North Carolina State University's Veterinary Hospital from 2012 to 2018. And that's where she created the first known veterinary clinical ethics consultation committee. She is now in private practice in Southeast Virginia, where she provides practice consultation and education to veterinary providers, as well as maintains a clinical practice specializing in grief and loss, chronic stress, burnout, and human-animal relationships. She provides training for social services, veterinary medical, and animal welfare workers across the country. Thank you, Janine, for joining us today to talk about resilient practitioners. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I wanted to start with a couple of quotes from an article that you wrote for Equimanagement about resilient practitioners. The first one, compassion fatigue, burnout, and moral distress are common complaints in veterinary medicine. And the second one, we are learning more every day about the individual behaviors that can buffer stress and produce resilience, even in the most challenging environments. So Janine, couched with that, help us understand those behaviors that can create resilience to stress for veterinarians. Uh, Really big question. (laughs) So the way I think about this, uh, Kim, is that so many of us are confronting really difficult situations, not just here and there, but chronically in practice. And those things can really chip away at us over time. And so it's kind of like considering that after a while, your shock absorbers really wear down, go over really, you know, rocky road. And it's inevitable that at some point those shock absorbers are going to have to be replaced. In human beings, we can't replace our shock absorbers. They kind of are what they are. But the good news is that we can do things to try to keep them in relatively good shape, even when everything around us is challenging, even when the whole world is melting down. And for heaven's sake, we're going into month 11 now of COVID. If this isn't a good time to talk about resilience, I don't know what is, right? So resilience is really about being able to stay in your best self and your best set of skills, regardless of what's going on around you. So can I stay calm? and centered and in control of myself, even if I can't control the environment, even if I can't control this difficult client or this patient who's so challenging, can I control myself and still feel capable even when I'm up to my eyeballs in something that's really difficult? And we can. What we do know, however, is that this takes practice because all of us have some level of resilience But 
there's a lot that sort of influences that level over time. So part of it's just the way we're wired when we come into the world. Part of it is what's going on in our environment. Part of it, and a big chunk of it, is what we do ourselves to try to stay healthy and balanced and well. So refilling the tank. Um, so those are the kinds of behaviors when I'm talking about resilience building, those are the behaviors I'm speaking of is all of the things we can do to refill the tank and to put some extra layers on that, those shock absorbers so that even when we hit something that's really pitted out and we can feel everything shaking, we still know we're going to get to the other side of that without everything dropping out of the bottom. So Janina, knowing some of the things you've talked about before, let's start with maybe some things that veterinarians understand really well and horses and the, the patients they care for, but sometimes aren't very good at themselves, such as self-care, nourishment, exercise. Mm -hmm. What would you have to say with veterinarians about that? Yeah, taking care of the physical body, right? So when you're taking care of horses and especially when those horses are expected to work, um, <laughs> you need to make sure that they are getting the right kind of nutrition, that they are getting the right kind of restoration time so that their muscles and the rest of their system can sort of get back to where it needs to be after a really intense workout or period of work. You have to make sure that they're resting well, that they're in a herd that is supportive and not making things harder. All of the same things are true for human beings. So we absolutely must be getting um, you know, adequate hydration because water is the foundation for everything. Most of us are drinking a lot of caffeine during the day to try to keep our energy levels up, but that's often going to be dehydrating and our brains aren't going to work effectively through the day if we are dehydrated. So it's the right kind of hydration. It is the right kind of nutrition. So um, a lot of us are eating on the go you might be eating in the truck on, you know, in between calls. This is really common, grabbing something on the fly. Um, to the extent that people can plan in advance and have some healthier snacks in the back, keep a cooler with you that actually has things that you can eat on the go that don't require a microwave, but something that actually is a little bit better for your brain health, better than, you know, some of the fast food that we tend to grab when we're in a hurry. So can we plan in advance to do things to support our body? Because that is going to support our capacity to function. Cellular health is really important. Um, are we getting sufficient rest? And that's not just sleep, although most of us are sleep deprived, especially now, because people are so stressed out with everything that's going on in their communities and in their homes, on top of what's going on in practice that is hard to, um, it's a tall order for people to shut their brains off. So getting sufficient sleep, but also sufficient downtime, learning how to down-regulate the body. So if you're trying to um, work a horse out and, and then cool them down, right? You're not gonna be, um, you know, all four gears constantly and then dramatic stop and throw them in a stall. You're going to want to cool that horse off a bit. You're going to want to walk them out. And it's the same thing for us. We can't go and go and go and go all day and then abruptly go home and expect that we're going to be able to fall asleep. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. So can we give ourselves some transition time so that we can start to slow it down? Can we give ourselves time um, away from the constant screens 
and the constant phone. And when you're on call, you can't do that. But when you're not on call, you can. So can you give yourself downtime away from the rigors of practice so that you're not constantly working on records, so that you're not constantly returning phone calls? Give yourself some time away so you can do other things that actually restore. Okay. Um, sleep hygiene is really important too, and I don't want to forget it. Most of us are really bad about that. So that means for 45 minutes to an hour before we actually try to turn in to get some sleep, that we actually are turning off the screens, turning off the phones, lowering the lights and the temperature in the room, and allowing the body to be cued to downshift. So what, like, this is the time when the body needs to be told, and now we're going to prepare to sleep, and we want you to take this seriously, because again, we are running on all cylinders all of the time. So really giving ourselves a routine, and this is hard when you're on call and you're up in the middle of the night, right? Like dealing with a colic or whatever else is going on. So especially on the back end of that, we want sleep hygiene, especially when you're off your cycle of what is normal in your day-to-day -day routine and the hours when you're awake and asleep, you need to be able to cue the body to rest. So that stuff's really important. And then giving the body last sort of an opportunity to discharge all of the anxiety and the negative energy that we absorb and create all day long by working it out. So this is when you shake it out of your body, you get yourself moving in an intentional way. Um, you allow yourself to press against something. This is when people get really upset or really anxious, I will often say, do 10 wall push-ups. Yeah, I mean, you can't drop to the floor in a barn safely, but you can press against the side of the barn and do a couple push-ups to get it out of your body so that you can recenter yourself and get back into your brain. Um, you know, you're on your feet all day, but that's not intentional movement. That's movement by necessity. And so giving yourself a chance at the end of your day to go for a walk around the block that's quiet. Right, or doing a few stretches before you get into bed. So all of this is how you sort of give your body a chance to work it out. Well, that's good. And I know that when you and I have talked before, you, you use the phrase press pause. Mm -hmm. and, and what do you mean by that? And how can that help a veterinarian be more resilient? Mm -hmm. um, we are so chronically overstretched every day that we almost run on autopilot. And actually sometimes we just are, we're on autopilot. And so that means that we can drive from point A to point B and not remember any part of that. And it might be because we're multitasking, which isn't great for our bodies or our brains, but it's sometimes a necessity of practice to be on the phone while you're driving to the next call, right? Um, or returning sort of messages or checking on results. But this is when I just encourage people before they're transitioning from task to task to press the pause button in your body and in your brain. And that can happen really quickly. That can happen simultaneously actually by just taking a really good deep belly breath. So the breath is our built-in pause button and it's free. And most of the time we're not even thinking about it because it's an automatic process. But an intentional deep breath is how we press the pause button and we send a calming signal down from the top of the brain to the, to the stem of the brain. 
and it kicks in a parasympathetic response and it tells us to, to settle and pay attention. And when we can do that, it helps us to focus. It sort of settles down all of the jangled nerves, even if it's just for a moment, and it helps us to proceed with some clarity. And remember, when we are really feeling depleted, that's not a time of clarity. That's a time when we're running around with our heads on fire. So we need to be able to breathe and pause and recenter as we go through a busy day. Decra Veterinary Products is proud to sponsor Equimanagement's The Business of Practice podcast. Decra's equine product line includes Osphos, Clotronate Injection, Orthocon Vet IREP 10 and 60, Osteocon PRP, Equidone Gel, Thumperidone, the Vetivex line of parenteral fluids, Vicox EQ Joint Supplement, and a comprehensive line of topical dermatologic products. The recent addition of Zymeta, Diaperone Injection, further expands Decra's equine offerings. For more information about Decra's products, please visit decra-us.com. And you've, you've mentioned before that it's really important to think positively. Mm-hmm. And that can be tough for veterinarians because sometimes mm-hmm. they think, well, that's a little touchy-feely or, you know, I'm just so overwhelmed, I don't have time. I mean, how do you help veterinarians take the time to think positively, and what does that mean? Great question. Um, And I join the chorus in dislike of unicorns and rainbows because I don't think that's realistic. I don't think it's pragmatic to only be looking on the bright side. I I don't think that's useful. So I really am a big fan of neutralizing the negative spiral that we tend to get into because that's how our human brains are wired. So the human brain is wired with a type of Velcro for negative experiences. Negative experiences and thoughts stick. And Teflon for good experiences. Teflon for good emotions. So we can experience something good and it's literally in one ear out the other, (laughs) right? Um, We experience it, okay, that's great. And then we move on. And most of the time when we're moving on, it's because we are moving on to something that's negative because that from a perspective of ensuring our survival is actually more important. That's where this comes from is it is, it's really critical for us to pay attention to the risk in our environment and the things that could potentially cause us harm. And so we do, and we're exceptionally good at it, but that also means that the good stuff gets lost in the shuffle. And it means that Unfortunately, the more we think about negative things, the better we get at finding negative things and the more exhausted and depleted we become. So I like to say, let's try to counterbalance that a little bit and at least be able to do that with neutral thinking. Great if we can go to something positive. It's sort of the yes and dot, dot, dot. Um, Yes, right now is really awful. Yes, we are into a pandemic that has dramatically changed practice. Yes, all of us are worried about our own health and well-being on top of the health and well-being of patients and clients. Yes, we're worried about our families. Yes, this has um, inserted all sorts of financial instability in markets. I mean, we could go on and on and on on the yeses. And what is also true? So what is also true for me in this moment is I'm safe and I'm warm. 
And I don't pay attention to that when I'm freaking out about something, but it's really critical that I am safe in this moment. I've got food, like the people I know and love at this moment are also relatively well. It means that, you know, today's schedule is really packed and I think I can get through it, <laughs> right? It's the, um, and at the end of the day, I'm gonna be really, really lucky and grateful to, to come home and have it be relatively predictable and go for a walk with my dogs and be able to manage, you know, I don't know what I'm gonna come home to, but chances are probably pretty good I can manage it, right? And so that all, that too is important. So this is the yes and approach. Yes, things are really hard and it's difficult when we're in it to see through it. And so can we also sort of counterbalance that awareness of the hard with what do I know to be true? What is, what is okay? Am I okay right now? Or at least I've got support in the office. So someone is going to be able to field that call when I'm, you know, working on my next case and can't get to the phone. That's a, that's a good thing. So we'll take it. So we have to also look for what is neutral, what is okay, what is safe. And that is, it seems like a really insignificant shift, but cognitively and emotionally, it's it's a big deal. Because we get overwhelmed really quickly when everything we see around us is melting down. Yeah, when when we had talked before and in the article that you had done for Equimanagement Magazine in our winter issue, you had talked about it's important to focus on the day-to-day -day functioning of a practice, but they don't need to overshadow the sense of purpose and service that inspired veterinarians to enter the profession in the first place. Yes. Yeah, there's more right with us and with this profession than what is wrong. And ultimately, and again, we, we talk about what's wrong and what's not going well because that's important so that we can correct for it. Yeah. Absolutely. And we have cultural shifts that really are going to be ultimate in the best interest of our practitioners in the long run. Um, and so it's good to make those shifts. It's good to put these thoughts on the table. It's good to be concerned. And we shouldn't let that overshadow the deep meaning and value in the work that's being done every day. Yeah. Um, because it's the deep meaning and value that brings us all to work in the morning, even after a really, really bad stretch, even after losing multiple patients. You know, even when, you know, we're, we're multiple people down at the practice and we're having to rejigger the entire calendar and everything's upside down, there is still more right than wrong. And one of the things that you've talked about when we have talked before and in several articles that I've read of yours is that you say it's important to make time for connections. Mm -hmm. And what do you mean by that? And how can that be done? Yeah, um, the connections are really important because they get us outside of our own thinking um, and help us to regulate alongside others who are safe. And so one of the things we know about humans, but equine practitioners know this about horses too, is that um, a lot of mammals co-regulate. So they, they look to others for hints about how they should be doing and feeling themselves. 
right? So humans do this too. And when we are surrounded by stressed out people, that is all our nervous system is taking in, is data about stress, data about risk. When we can make intentional, an intentional effort to connect to other safe people who we trust, who have our backs, who can understand the difficulties we face without us having to explain it all the time or without being horrified by it or without having to fix it, but just listen to it, that enables us to downregulate because we can get on the phone with them and it can be a mentor, it can be a friend, it can be a family member, it can be a partner, could be another colleague and just someone you're not in practice with right now. And you can call and say, I just need 10 minutes. Can I just tell you what happened? And have them go, ah, got it. Okay, go. And then at the end, their job is to say, how are you taking care of yourself? That sounds really awful. So what are you going to do now? Are you at the end of your shift? Can you get home? Can you stop and, you know, get something good to eat in your belly so at least you feel like you're filled, right? And so these are the people who can hold it without judging it or fixing it or in any way minimizing it. And when that happens, even if it's not face-to-face, especially now, we're not getting a lot of face-to-face time, right? So it doesn't have to be face-to-face. It can be over the phone. You can tell a lot about somebody's care and compassion and comfort just by listening to them. And if we can do that and connect to someone who's safe, then we can regulate and then we can find a way to solution build. And if we're not regulating, we're not building solutions. We're not problem solving. We're just spinning. Yeah, and I I think that's a really important um, point that you made is the person that you call to talk to or that you talk to, it's important that, that they know Do you want them to help you solve this problem or do you just need to unload for a moment to somebody who gets it? Yes. Thank you. That's a huge, huge distinction. So there are, and I know this will be true for you, Kim. It's true for everybody who's listening. So we all have people that we disclose certain things to, right? And not everyone's going to be safe for every story and every level of disclosure. So there are people I call when I have had Um, an absolutely horrendous professional day. And there are many people I do not trust with that information, right? Um, When I've had a deeply personal trauma, there are some people I will trust with that and others I will not because it's not appropriate to the relationship or I just don't know what they're going to do with it. And regardless, when I've chosen someone to hear it, it's really important for me to to ask them for what I need. So to be able to say, I just need a few minutes to tell you And I just need you to hear it. Just hear it. Like it's being solved. Um, And I just need someone else to hold this with me for a little while because this was horrible. Right. And then there are others I call when I say, not only do I need you to hear it, but I need to bounce some ideas off of you because I'm not sure what to do. Um, And that's a very different ask. Right. But as long as we are clear on what would be useful in that moment, we are much more likely to get it. Yeah, and that, that's so important. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with our veterinarian listeners or, or whoever is listening, students, techs, professionals in the industry, 
that would help them be more resilient or things you would like to remind here at the end of our podcast? Um, I would say really, folks, we don't want to wait until our head is on fire before we reach for the water. And that's usually what we do because we are in a culture that's super reactive. And in fact, this is what we say with clients all the time around their own horse's care. Like, don't wait until the problem is massive before you call for help. Really pay attention to the small indicators that there's an imbalance going on. And, and ask before everything is falling apart. And so for our own well-being, it's the same thing. Um, and I think most of us are so busy and we're also acculturated in veterinary medicine to put others first and ourselves last. So we, we are used to ignoring our own signs and signals of imbalance um, and depletion. And then we wait until it's a five alarm fire. Not, and then that's too hard to control. And that's where the helplessness starts to register and the hopelessness and the despair and why am I doing this and, and this is too hard and I don't know how to help myself. And, and so we need to be able to take regular daily steps. This is about intentional behavior. Um, daily steps to take our own pulse. Sort of check in head to toe, how am I feeling in my body? Do I have pain here? Am I sore here? Am I just really tired today? And then the question from there is then what do I need to do? What do I need to do to get through it in this moment? What do I need to do to get through the next 10 hours? And then do them, right? Those come first because then your effectiveness as a practitioner will follow. So if you are taking your pulse, checking in, and it might be that physically you feel fine and emotionally you're incredibly drained because it's been nothing but disaster after disaster all week. And so when that happens, it's kind of like, well, then what do I need to do to be able to get through today? Because I don't know what today will bring. None of us do. So I do, do I need to have a support person, you know, ready for the call? Do I need to take a couple of extra breaths? Do I need to ask for 10 minutes, an extra 10 minutes, you know, bookending an appointment to get myself together? Do I need to call someone who I really love who will make me laugh in five seconds or less, right? Because these are the things that sort of serve as the, um, the tether to safety. And so do those things. Ask yourself, what do I need? What will help in this moment? And when all else fails, I tell people, drink ice water. It helps to regulate. It actually sends a calming signal in the body to drink something super, super cold. So drink a glass of ice water, count backwards from 20, and breathe. Go for a quick walk. Pull over to the side of the road and do a mindfulness exercise, whatever it takes to get yourself through it. And then be especially careful on the back end that you're refilling the tank. Well, these are such important tips. And I, I always learn something new every time that I talk to you. So thank you very much, Janine, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. My privilege. And we want to thank our listeners for joining us for this Business of Practice podcast. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Decor Veterinary Products. Go ahead and visit equimanagement.com or your favorite podcast network, such as iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher, to hear each episode of The Business of Practice. 
And if you have any questions or suggestions, just send me an email to kbrown at aimmedia.com. The Business of Practice podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC. 